You're a slave? I'm a person and my name is Anakin. Now this is Pod Racing. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Chris, we're spending back-to-back brackets away from the immediate mm. world of Disney. MCU fight mm. scene in the dust. Uh, we're approaching something mm. new, and this time it's it's Star Wars related. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't. Uh, it's, it's not often that we do these uh, back-to-back departures from <laughs> right. uh, the Disney universe, you know? And uh, it, it feels like maybe it was a long time coming. We've, we've definitely been uh, in Disney and in our Disney and Pixar bags for a while. So, you know, in the name of new year, a new year, how about some, you know, new horizons we're exploring out here and just we're focusing on the self-growth of the Mouse Madness podcast and, <laughs> you know, trying to, uh, you know, trying to work through our blind spots. Uh, and, and this week, it's the blind spot that is the Star Wars universe. Oh, yeah. um, and, and I'm excited because so many times we've talked about Star Wars. Um, we, we've bit off pretty big chunks of it. I think totally. we've talked, you know, best character, best Star Wars battle. Uh, so these are some pretty, pretty large Star Wars topics. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited that we're getting into, uh, we're getting into the nitty gritty here. Uh, with one particular Star Wars movie uh, that is near and dear to many millennials' hearts, uh, and that is The Phantom Menace, because we are talking the worst Star Wars Episode One character. That's right, not the best character. We're talking <laughs> the worst character, and, and we'll get into all the specifics of uh, you know, how this bracket topic came to be. Uh, but before we get too much further, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest host, our tiebreaker uh, for this bracket, He's a returning co-host, uh, and uh, he's a he's a lawyer now too. So we're br- we're bringing in uh, Andrew to help us with this one. Andrew, what's up, my guy? How's it going, guys? I'm excited. Uh, this is a movie Chris and I have talked about for what twelve? How long have we known each other now? Like thirteen years? <laughs> that's, Jeez. Yeah, that sounds about right. Sure. Yeah. So definitely excited for this one. Well, thank you so much for. Uh, for joining us on this episode, Kyle, uh, Andrew. Before we get any further, let's talk spoonful of sugar, please. Uh, this this is quite the movie to get through, uh, and I definitely need a little spoonful of sugar to get through this episode. So, Kyle, what what do you got? Oh man, yeah, this is this was an entire episode. <laughs> this, this 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 entire film felt like. Uh, took 20 years off my life having to watch this thing again. So I'm ready to dive in to the drink making yet again. I've pulled out something that I found on the internet that is called a, a, a Midori martini. Mm. So what that is, is one ounce of Midori, one ounce of vodka, one ounce of lemon juice. But I did lemonade instead of lemon juice because I'm trying to trying to mix it up. Uh, a ounce 
or a half an ounce of simple syrup and you put it in a shaker, shake it all up, comes out as this like green. And I wanted something green, Star Wars, alien. I wanted something along those lines. Um, I put it into this little like alien looking tiki mug that I have uh, and given it a sip. Pretty tasty. Pretty tasty. Mm. Very sweet, obviously, with Midori and simple syrup, but very tasty. And I'm calling it the Jar Jar Drinks, Chris. That is hey. my that is my drink name. What do you got this week? Uh, well, I have a tea. Uh, I have a tea, uh, and it has actually. Uh, I've returned to the stress relief tea. Uh, I absolutely needed it today uh, and this week, and, and I I needed so much stress relief that I just don't have a tea. Uh, I have uh, two teas. I, I double bagged <laughs> it, uh, so I I'm going to call this a tea a tea. Oh boy. Um, Hey, there's a Star Wars reference <laughs> for you guys. Um, I, I haven't taken a sip yet, so I, I have not relieved any of my stress, but uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to this cup. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> w- w- what do you got in Southern California? Well, since I'm such a busy lawyer now, I don't have time to make drinks, so I just got a high noon from my fridge. It's grapefruit, and it's delicious. That's all I got, though. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with the high noons. You can't go wrong with any of the seltzers. It's a nice kind of grab out of the fridge and get after it. I, I, I respect that big time. Definitely. But it's not a seltzer, technically. It's- technically, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, but I mean, like, it has been interesting. You know, this this podcast is, is going on four years here and seeing the evolution of the drink market and, and how it's changed over the years. It's been really exciting. You know, no, no longer are we just grabbing beers and mixed drinks. I mean, we've got hard kombuchas and we've got hard uh, seltzers. It's, it's wild. And it's an exciting world for alcohol. And uh, every bracket, Kyle, needs a demographic to survey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we come up with these ideas uh, and, you know, people often ask us, how, how do you come up with that? Like, who, who made this bracket? Who, came, who comes up with this seating? We, we have a demographic, folks. Uh, we go ahead and send our interns, our Mouse Madness interns, into the parks. Sometimes we, uh, we hit up folks online uh, and, and they, uh, they send out the, uh, the question. And this time around, we had the interns go into the parks. They went into Disneyland. They went back into the corner of the park that is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. They hopped on Rise of the Resistance, and they surveyed Rise of the Resistance role players. Uh, If you have been on Rise of the Resistance, you know that there are two types of riders on this attraction. (laughs) There are the Kyles that say, I really hope that they don't talk to me on this ride because I do not want to, I do not want to participate on the fantasy experience. That is (laughs) uh, these, these cast members being in, in character uh, and trying to escort me on this ship. And then there are the role (laughs) players. There are the people that are like, this is, this is my time to shine, baby. I'm going to pretend I'm going to pretend I am in the resistance right now. And I'm going to give it to these uh, first order people straight. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I love those folks. Some people, maybe not so much, but we, we, we pulled those people aside after the attraction was over. We said, Hey, first of all, I just want to say great performance, uh, yep. in there. It was, it was very convincing. You had me going. I thought I was in the movie. Um, <laughs> but, but I got a, but I got a question for you. I want to ask you, what is the worst star Wars episode one? character uh, mm. and we got 16 16 
characters on this bracket. Um, but but Kyle and Andrew, this is a movie where there are so many characters. Uh, and and believe it or not, there were plenty that did not make this field of sixteen <laughs> uh, terrible episode one characters. So Kyle, why don't you why don't you give me a couple characters for you that missed the dance? Yeah, I'm gonna give them all to you in one punch. It's Anakin's little friend group, his little kid friend group. Hate them all. They're, every time that the camera goes on them, they're doing something extremely awkward. There's a part even uh, when Anakin wins the pod race that they pan to the the little kids and they don't they they misread a high five execution. Just they they are the worst in my brain because I cannot stand the performance that they've put on. Uh, also, the fact that the editors decided to like loop the stock lack laugh track that Oof. is like everywhere for those like group of kids. It's the high pitch kid giggle, and they just loop that every time the kids get out of my face. I hate them; they're the worst. Uh, so all of them combined into one. We'll talk about one specifically here on the bracket, but uh, all of them combined into one is a miss the dance for me. Uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, I've got a couple. I think. I think. The way that so many of these characters are presented in this movie is very, very confusing. Uh, like you've got Padme, but you've also got Queen Amidala. But guess what? They're the same person. Uh, right. You've got uh, Senator Palpatine, and then you've got Darth Sidious. But guess what? They're the same person. So it can be really hard to kind of differentiate where one character ends and another one begins. But I'm going to go ahead and throw Darth Sidious's name out there. Uh, Darth yeah. Sidious is... Is Emperor Palpatine obviously before he found the character that is Emperor Palpatine? But it's strange <laughs> because like this character came after Emperor Palpatine. Uh, right. But in this movie, he's just like he's supposed to be like hooded cloak man. But who is it though? But anyone who <laughs> see anyone who saw a picture of this guy on the poster knows who it is. He's dressed yeah. exactly the same. This is yep. not a this is not a plot twist. Uh, we know who it is. Um, totally. and, and another one I want to throw out there and I will, I guess we'll talk about this situation later on when we talk about, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, but the, the, uh, Royal pilot, his name is Rick Ollier. Uh, <laughs> this man, a lot of the decisions it's, it's questionable, right? It's like, whose choice was it to do this thing? But right. the amount of like good piloting that this guy does, not much. Uh, made the decision to fly headfirst into the Trade Federation blockade that very much could have got them all killed. Didn't seem to perform any type of like uh, evasive maneuvering at all. Right. Uh, and, and really put everyone's life in jeopardy in that moment. Uh, but again, we'll we'll address that later on. So I guess those are, would be my two Miss the Dance characters. Q, Andrew, what are a couple Miss the Dance episode one characters for you? Uh, I had Captain Tarples, the uh, <laughs> the Gungan like general or whatever, just because he says the word big doo-doo. Yes. I can't believe that's <laughs> in a Star Wars movie. Um, and then a couple others, quick ones. I had the old woman whose bones are aching <laughs> because of the sandstorm. And then I had... Uh, Kind of fits in with what Kyle said. The redheaded kid who's Annie's friend who just wants to play ball. Yeah. What kind of ball is that? We don't know. But <laughs> maybe he's a basketball. It, it's so funny because I'm getting like notes of that Sam Raimi Spider-Man energy in this movie <laughs> that nowadays like 
this the dialogue has to be so efficient because there is so much action and like this movie feels like it has too much action too but it's still like it's a two hour and 15 minute movie uh and at the end of the day there is a lot of dialogue in it too and so they used to just give these extras these lines you know and it was like oh there you go who was that why did they have to say that did it really add anything (laughs) no but um, especially when you're like a little kid those random lines like stick with you when you watch this movie totally yeah, it felt like they were writing for little kids this entire time, the entire film. Um, but let's let's go ahead and get into it. Let's introduce this bracket of 16 uh, worst episode one characters from Star Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and cue up that dramatic music. Uh, Chris, I think I'm going to let you lead off. He's in big doo-doo and he's coming in at the number one seed. You love to hate him. It's Jar Jar Binks. Delivering lines with his entire chest at the number two seed is Anakin Skywalker. Nail done, hair done, everything did. The number three <laughs> seed is Queen Amidala. Taking a gut punch at the number four seed is Qui-Gon Jinn. Proving that two heads are in fact not better than one. Coming in at number five, it's the Nemoidians. Selling junk out the trunk at the number six seed is Wada. Under the Sea at number seven <laughs> is Boss Nass. Roger Roger and us at the number eight seed are the Battle Droids. Completely naked at number nine, it's C-3PO. Colin the Race at the number ten seed is Foden B. Get this man on the next season of Drive to Survive. Coming in at number eleven, it's Sebulba. She's a... At the number 12 seed, it's Shmi Skywalker. Doing absolutely nothing at the number 13 seed is Sayo Bibble. Out the Haunted Mansion and into Star Wars is the number 14 seed. It's Chancellor Valorum. Two blades, one Jedi. Coming in at number 15, it's Darth Maul. And being an absolute brat at the number 16 seed is Kitster. All right, Andrew, we've got 16 of the worst of the worst from this film. Are there any first-round matchups that you're looking forward to breaking down? Um, yeah, Queen Amidala versus Chancellor Bar- Valorum. Uh, like, what a bunch of heavyweights there. Like, <laughs> Valorum literally does nothing in this movie, but is referenced, like, every five minutes. Right. And then Queen Amidala with honestly the most confusing thing in the world like is she Padme who is it Kira Knightley I have no idea <laughs> I think I figured it out finally after like my 50th rewatch like this year finally realized what was going on but as a kid that just blew my mind because it made no sense yeah we'll definitely talk That's about that it. we'll definitely talk about that because there's some kind of uh, does it matter who it is? Because it's just going to be who whoever we want it to be at the end of the day out of the yeah. the the scriptwriters in this one. But um, Chris, we got the one sixteen matchup. Lead us off. Let's talk about it. I, I, I'm so I'm so glad to finally be talking about this topic on this podcast. And and I want to compare like memories with you two. Yeah. Um, Star Wars Episode One came out in 1998. I was, I had just started kindergarten and 
or sorry, nine, nine, 99. I was in first grade, first grade. Sorry. And, um, I knew the whole movie before it came out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how, but the marketing machine that was star Wars episode one was nuts. I got two uh, words for I, you, baby. Taco bell. Hey, Taco Bell. That's it. It's, it's it's Taco Bell. Not only did they have like Taco Bell toys of Star Wars, but when they gave you the toy, they gave you this like map uh, yep. and the map had all of the faces of all of the characters in the movie. All of the ones we're talking about today and a, a lot of the ones that we're not even going to get to talk about today. <laughs> uh, and under under each Pepsi cup that you got from Taco Bell, you pull out like a little bottom tab and then you get like a little token and then you right. collect all of the faces of all of these characters at Taco <laughs> Bell. Right. And then you've got the Pepsi cans uh, on every different version of Pepsi. You had a different <laughs> character on the can and it was your mission to collect every single Star Wars episode one character on all the Pepsi cans. And I mean, this was back in the day when they still had things like Pepsi one uh, and Pepsi max. And I will right. never Kyle, I will never forget the day I went to the beach. I went to Coronado in San Diego and I, <laughs> and I, uh, I, I wiped out on my boogie board and I kind of like, uh, cut my lip on, yeah. on the sand and I had to put a boss, Na a boss Nass Pepsi one, uh, <laughs> on my lip to like make it feel better. And I was like, they had to give me boss Nass. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't come on. I could I could get a Qui-Gon Jinn up in here. Come on, mom. Yeah. But there were also a ton of toys. I remember walking oh, yeah. into Kmart and the toy aisle, it was just a Star Wars episode one toy aisle. They there went in. Every single all of every single one of these characters that are uh even like extras that just have one line or they're sitting in a chair. Like P Plo Koon, dude, Plo Koon, <laughs> the, the, the guy who's like on the Jedi Council who has no lines and he's just like half in the frame in like a wide shot. I was yeah. so stoked on Plo Koon, dude. I had a Plo <laughs> Koon toy. I played Plo Koon in the Star Wars Jedi Power Battles video game. I was so into <laughs> and 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 this was all before the movie even came out, dude. Like I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I went into that movie theater and it wasn't that I was like, oh, like what's going to happen? It could blow my mind. It was like, I already know what's going to happen. And yeah. I'm excited to see it. Finally, all of this, <laughs> I've been hyped for so long and I get to watch it. And it was fun. I'm pretty sure I saw this movie in theaters three times. Uh, yeah. And it was so exciting. And the thing that was so exciting for me as a little kid was all of these different characters. Um, they oh, all had sure. different, they had different fun names. They all had different fun looks, uh, different species, and they had different, I guess, sort of backstories. Uh, and that was really exciting as a little kid. And that brings us back to what you were saying. This is written like it's for little kids. Uh, and it yeah. doesn't feel like it's written for grownups because so many of these, these things just don't track. These characters yeah. just don't work. These relationships just feel so forced. Uh, and, and and let's start let's start talking about them, please. Number one seat, Jar Jar Binks himself. Mm. Now, it's no surprise to me that Jar Jar is clocking in at number one here, just because like when a lot of people talk about the Star Wars prequels, when a lot of people think about the Star Wars prequels, like Jar Jar Binks is the scapegoat for so Always. many of the so much of the hate 
for for episode one specifically. It's like, oh yeah, you know, he's he, this movie was hype. I really wanted it to be good, but they ruined it with Jar Jar. Like Jar Jar mm. came in here and he, they just blew up my spot. And now I hate Star Wars. Yeah. So he does get a lot of hate. And so I think I approached my rewatch to this movie being like, you know, trying to try to analyze that, you know, like let's, let's break <laughs> this feeling. Let's break this feeling down a little bit. Like, uh-huh, is this uh-huh. just, is this just, is it justified? Like, is it not justified? Because in my, like in my memory, Jar Jar Binks is the Olaf of star Wars. Uh, <laughs> right. he, he's, the, he, he's the, he's the bing bong <laughs> of star Wars. He's, he's the character that if he, he's in the group, but it actually detracts from the group that yes. he's in there. Yes. And the only purpose he serves is for a little comic relief for the four-year-old that is watching this movie with the grown-ups. Uh, exactly. So, you know, you've got moments like Jar Jar stepping in the poopy uh, in Mos Espo, like when they roll up and like the p- camera kind of pans back to show like the spaceport and Jar Jar just, oh, I step in the poopy. Like, yeah. Oh my God, bro. Uh, he like, he's, he, he's, uh, standing next to the Anakin's pod and he gets his, his mouth or his tongue or something like stuck in yeah, the, goes in numb. The, he goes numb. Lightning in the, in thing, the, yeah. yeah. Hand stuck in um, the turbine. Yeah. It's just, come on. And, and the worst one, dude. And I don't know if this is Jar Jar or this is just like the movie at this point, but in the middle of the pod racing, like intro segment, where they're like hyper th- in in pole position on the inside it's Sapopa and next to him is Mahanika then we got Anakin Skywalker all right flag bears come on out to the racetrack and then like the fanfare is like and and everyone comes out with the flag and it's like all right it's go time baby we're about to pod race and all of a sudden it cuts to this like space deer and it just like <laughs> and it farts in Jar Jar's face and he's like, oh, Piusa. And then, and then it just keeps going like that never <laughs> happened. <laughs> oh, like who so was watching bad. this? Who, who watched this movie in the edit and was like, well, we got to keep that. We can't like, we can't, we absolutely cannot lose that fart. Like that has to be in there. Right. There are so many kids who had grown up. Uh, and are in their, you know, like, or uh, mid to late 20s that remember the original trilogy that got to theaters. And, oh, man, we're back, baby. Star Wars is back. It's uh, We're at the brink of a new millennium. Uh, we're going to have the greatest CGI. It's going to be everything that Lucas wanted it to be. Uh, it's going to be phenomenal. And they show up and they have to deal with two hours and 15 minutes of Jar Jar Binks. Imagine how disappointed you are after how epic the first trilogy felt to have to jump into this and deal with all that. The the thing is like, as a little kid, I didn't really care at all. And I remember like walking into my first grade class and my friend Shane was like, we were like, did you watch episode one? And he's like, I watched episode one. Did you watch episode one? And I was like, hell yeah, it was so cool. And he was like, yeah, it was so funny when Jar Jar like jumped in the water. And I was like, yeah, that right. was funny, dude. Um, so it just like, it didn't phase me. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Totally. I, I honestly like, I totally agree, Chris. I loved this movie as a kid. I, I still kind of like it, even though it's, you know, embarrassing and horrible, but I didn't even realize like what you were talking about until I got to college and I talked to you about the prequels and you were like just talking about how bad they were and like so 
so bad for the franchise. And I was like, oh, really? Because I, I had watched this movie growing up and then I rewatched it in college. And I was like, oh, my God, this movie is like embarrassing. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it was meant for kids. Like you say, it was meant for kids. So, I mean, what what can you say? Like it, it the, the dialogue is just like Jar Jar Binks. Just like I watched this movie with subtitles. First time I've ever watched it with subtitles. And it's like, what is going on? He's saying so much. It's at the most random times too. Like the big battle scene where they're cutting between like four different action scenes. And he's just every scene is Jar Jar comic relief. This I was in kindergarten when this came out. I remember seeing all the toys. I remember getting back to class and being like, bro, did you see Star Wars? Bro, are we should we go make some pods right now in the backyard? Like, we gonna go race these like go-karts now? Like, super hype, thinking it's great, thinking Jar Jar was so, so funny. And then going into Taco Bell, and Chris, you didn't even mention, you didn't even mention the Taco Bell collectible cups that you even oh. inquired about at the Concord oh Mouse Con, where it's the oh like big uh, plastic cups with the big plastic figurine, half body figurine on top. <laughs> and we were at MouseCon and homie, ha- homie had them. And I was like, oh my God, Blaster in the past. Like I wanted those so bad. I'm so glad I didn't get them because what would I, what? Um, but those were, those are hype. So this, this entire movie was marketed to kids uh, with the nostalgia towards the adults, but the adults really got bait and switched where it was going to be, this is going to be uh, getting your kids into Star Wars so that we can form this next generation of moviegoers. I I had totally kind of like erased that MouseCon uh, Taco Bell cup guy uh, yeah. from my memory. And I think they might have been Burger King sippers, but regardless, they were some kind of fast food sippers. And yep. I was like, I, I, I kind of half joking was like, so how much you want for the uh, whole set? Uh, and he was like, he's like, um, right now I do a whole set for two fifty. Yeah. I was like, $250? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, how much for Captain Tarpaul specifically? And he, he was like, I'll do Tarpaul's for 30 And I was like, okay, uh, do, you don't have Newt Gunray, do you? And he's like, uh, no, no Newt Gunray. And I was like, ah, all right, well, maybe next time. And I walked away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in luck, Chris. They're selling them for a hundred bucks collectively on uh, on eBay. So go ahead and get you some. Uh, you could find them at Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Wow. Well, that guy was trying to scam me. I guess. Yes, he was. Jeez. Yes, he was. Uh, well, Jar 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 is up against Kitster in the first round, and Kyle, you kind of broke down the dynamic of Anakin's friend group. Uh, and how the audience kind of receives these these little kid friends. It's just super annoying. Uh, and super. Kitster is Kitster is the one friend that kind of has a name, has a character, and has a real presence. Uh, he's he's Anakin's buddy. He when all the other kids are like, oh, "I'm done, let's go play ball," like you said, they like run away. But Kitster hangs behind, and uh, Kitster is actually uh, pretty juiced on R two D two. Uh, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, hell yeah, you got a space droid, let's go. Um, but the thing that makes Kitster interesting is that he has that friend dynamic with Anakin, where like he's always just dragging him a little bit. He's Dra- like, just he's like, constant like, roasting. Like, hey, Anakin, you like you realize that this pod's a piece of junk, right? Uh, but then, but then, um, 
they get to the pod, they get to the actual pod race. Kitster rolls up. Uh, Kitster's in the in the Anakin Skywalker entourage yeah. at Punta Eve. Anakin uh, sitting there up. like, please don't let him talk. Please don't let him talk. Please don't let him talk. And, and he's Kitster spills the beans, bro. <laughs> like they should have gotten together and had like a little friend like huddle before and be like, all right, we we can't tell him. You we can't tell. Don't him. bring it up. I'm trying to get at her. I've been I've been putting down the Mac the entire time that I've met this this Padme gal. So if you just keep it cool, don't mention the thing. Don't mention that I haven't I, finished a race yet. I, Please don't mention that. That That's not going to be I, cool for my look. And what this Kitzer do? He rolls up and is like, well, have you finished the race? Of course. It's like, oh, come on, Kitzer. Anakin was was, was doing some pod risen uh, on Padme <laughs> that day. But uh, but Kitzer, he, he blew up his spot, man. He was like, yeah, you, you've never finished a race before, man, but I hope you do it this time. Mm. Uh, but the expression Kitzer uses is, this is so wizard. <laughs> I don't know, like, who wrote that and, like, why they thought that that would be, like, something a kid on another planet would say, but uh. super weird. Um, Kitzer is a bad character, don't like him annoying i feel like uh this movie has room for like anakin to have a friend on his home planet but the the execution is just really leaves a lot to be desired i have to go with jar jar in this matchup though jar jar is just he's a juggernaut at the number one seed uh very annoying very bad uh frustrating as a character within the movie and then also just like a bad badly written character so i got the number one seed for sure Yep, I I do too. I as much as I want to say that the kid character is the worst here, uh, we just didn't get enough out of Kitster. There's a lot of characters in this film in which it's kind of like they had an idea, but they couldn't completely abandon it because they already casted the character and they already have the kid waiting in the waiting room, and they don't want to cut his line, so they brought him out anyways. There's a ton of that that feels like is happening in this. Kitster is just one of them. So uh, I agree. Jar Jar is just an awful character through and through. Deserves the number one seed. Deserves to move on to this next round. Uh, Andrew, I'm assuming that you have no issues with this one. Yeah, I agree with that. Jar Jar, I mean, we can get into it later. Um, But Kitster, uh, like Chris said, my only notes for Kitster was him saying, this is so wizard Annie, which I guess, you know, (laughs) Harry Potter was Harry Potter was big in 1999. So maybe uh, that's why Lucas threw it in. Sure. Or I don't know when, when did he write this movie? Did he write it like five years before? Oh gosh, yeah, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, you got wrote it. He wrote it five minutes before the camera started rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I think there, I've seen some video of that. Like it only took him like two hours to write it. <laughs> He's like, I wrote it in one day. <laughs> okay, George. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jar Jar. Jar Jar is the classic bad character in star wars so i think he has to advance over a character that was only in like 10 minutes of the movie totally all right let's move on to this next matchup so the number eight the battle droids versus the number nine c-3po and we've talked about c-3po a few times on this podcast in the robots bracket in the star wars character bracket and i've made it pretty known that c-3po annoys the hell out of me he the way that he operates the way that he is constantly uh, butting into everything and understanding that that's his character and that he's supposed to be this way to kind of add that dynamic to the hero group, uh, it still bugs the shit out of me. And I, I don't care for him at all. Here, we get like 
puppeted C-3PO instead of human in a costume C-3PO because this is supposed to be Anakin's little work droid, his little project that he's been working on and he hasn't finished him yet. So he's full of all of the wires and the gizmos and, and, you know, completely incomplete. But uh, he still has some parts in this where he's walking around, he's interacting. Uh, and so he he's his same old self. I mean, he's there stating the obvious. He's there uh, talking with R2, him and R2 hitting it off for the first time. Um, but there's, in this kind of chaotic movie, I feel like we don't get a ton out of him other than, you know, Anakin having to leave him behind and Anakin introducing us to him. Um, across the bracket or across this matchup is the battle droids. And honestly, man, I remember being hype on these battle droids as a kid uh, coming out of this movie. I thought it was sick how many there were <laughs> in this film. Uh, the scene, the, the that final like Naboo fight scene, uh, big battle scene at the end where they have the rows and rows of battle droids and they, they're all lifting their heads up after getting out of their little ships and the one lifts its head up in front of the screen. One holds up. I think that's I think that's fucking dope. And two, that was a hype moment. That's but, the only good scene featuring the. Ba- I hate the battle droids, but that scene I, re- I had in my notes. That's awesome. Even no. to this day, that's still cool. Yeah, it's super sick. It's super sick. Uh, they they are a lot of that bumbling henchmen energy in this film, where they can't quite do anything right. Um, they're pretty useless. It seems like. There's so many of them, and yet none of them are shooting really anything. They're worse than the stormtroopers themselves, uh, and it just is—it's just a mess of kind of a, a character that you feel like we should fear, but we don't really at all. They're absolutely useless. Um, their dialogue, I love, man. I I think it's I think it's funny as hell when they're uh, trying to get off of the planet and. Uh, uh, Qui-Gon is like, uh, we're we're going to Coruscant and <laughs> Battle Droid's like, Coruscant, can't compute. Uh uh, you're under arrest. I, I thought that shit was so funny. <laughs> stupid. So I stupid. love it. It was so good. I laughed out loud on the couch. I thought that shit was so good. Uh, should they be able to have sarcasm like that as like droids, as these like battle I don't know. Um, but I thought that was hilarious. I think, I mean, I don't really have an opinion in this one, to be honest, in this matchup, because I actually have love for the battle droids and I don't think they're the worst. Like they just don't play a big part in it. Uh, C-3PO, same thing, except that I just don't like him. So he's inherently the worst to me. So I'm going to say that number nine moves on as the worst character, C-3PO. I I think that you're, you're kind of glossing over an important element of the battle droids as a bad character, that idea that we, we do not fear them uh, in that same scene where Qui-Gon is trying to help the group of Nabooians escape. I guess that's what they're called, right? Nabooians. <laughs> yeah, I would assume so. Uh, and Captain Panak is like, there's too many of them. And Qui-Gon's just like, won't be a problem. Uh, <laughs> like, cool. Tension absolutely removed from the entire scene. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, they're, they're, they're beyond incompetent, Kyle. Uh, they, I don't know why they're equipped with guns because they apparently don't know how to use them. Uh, especially in that very first interaction that Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon have with the battle droids. Yeah. They, they like, they go to like surround them 
And then the Jedi's whip out their lightsabers and like a couple of the droids shoot at them, but the rest of them just kind of like, they just kind (laughs) of walk towards them with the gun and they're standing like behind Obi-Wan and all they have to do is just pull the trigger and they're just really just standing there waiting to be killed. Sure. It's really, really, really bad. There's even a moment in that escape on Naboo where there's a droid that's full on just turned completely around in the wrong direction. Uh, <laughs> I love it. And he's in the, he's in the foreground of the frame and then Obi-Wan like slices him down. Like, okay, yeah, that's, that's like funny, but that's not how you make a movie. Like the bad guys <laughs> have to be somewhat competent. Right. And there is a famous, yeah. um, famous line from George Lucas in the behind the scenes, kind of like making of star Wars episode one, where he says like, yeah, they're pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty useless. You, you pretty much cut through them like butter. And <laughs> it's just like a moment of like, okay, why that? Like, then yeah. why do you have them? It's so weird. So, um, I'm, I'm actually going to go with the battle droids. I sure. think they're, they're a waste of space. They're, they were probably a waste of a lot of CGI, uh, I, I can see how a little kid might think that they're they're funny to watch in the same way that Jar Jar is, but but no. Uh, Q, you're breaking the tie here. Yeah, so C-3PO, I have no idea why he's in this movie. It's <laughs> uh, like, did Lucas thought we needed like a C-3PO origin story, I guess? Like, okay. I guess Anakin, Darth Vader created c-3po yeah so with that like (laughs) so random when you've watched the original three movies like so random for real um but he really doesn't do much and i i like chris hate the battle droids especially (laughs) when you compare them to like the storm troopers in the original not i mean you shouldn't ever compare the sequels to the original but like the the stormtroopers were actually like I mean they were like clones or actual men so they were like you know they you were scared of them whereas the battle droids like they're you just yeah like Lucas said you cut through them like butter there's like one point where Obi Wan where they're like storming it's towards the end of the movie where they're like trying to get the, to the throne room on Naboo and Obi Wan literally does like the laziest spin move. <laughs> It takes like five seconds. It's like he's doing it in slow motion before hitting one with his lightsaber. I'm just like, and then, and then you can just force push them. He like they, they, he force pushes like three of them at once. Disabled. Like, yeah. It's just like <laughs> why not do that at all times? <laughs> they're just gonna. They're they're not shooting. Yeah. So I I have to go with the battle droids. I. I feel strongly about this one. They're just so dumb. Damn. The battle droids move on to face Jar Jar Binks in the next round. All right, next matchup. We've got the number four seed Qui-Gon Jinn himself versus the number 13 seed Sayo Bibble. Uh, So Sayo Bibble might be a character that people don't really realize who it is. uh, And for good reason. I don't know that they ever say Sayo Bibble's name (laughs) uh, once. I don't know if it's Sayo Bibble or Show Bibble or what, but Sayo Bibble is the old guy on Naboo who is like in the little Nabooian committee. uh, And he's actually the governor of Naboo or Theed or I don't really know, but uh, he's kind of like the contrarian. He's he's like a he's a real stick in the mud 
Uh, he he generally just wants the opposite of what Queen Amidala wants to do. Uh, he's right. he's always just being like, nope, you should definitely not do that. Which like, I mean, we'll talk about Qui Gon in a second, but like, it kind of makes sense. Like Qui Gon Jin rolls up and is just like, I'm in charge now. Uh, and so yeah. Bibble's kind of like, oh, where are you going? Where are you going, Mama? <laughs> like what? <laughs> but but there's there's like a little um, there's a little dose of like. Uh, hypocrisy in there too because he is the he is like the senior most uh, like the highest ranking authority on the planet when the trade federation folks like roll up so he's the one who they're kind of trying to put the squeeze on uh, and he's playing hardball with them and he's basically like you know like nope we're not like we will not cave uh, the, the people are strong, and then the and then he says something like that, and then the, it cuts immediately to a hologram of the guy uh, <laughs> yeah. talking to Padme. And he's like, "The death toll is catastrophic. We must bow to their wishes." You <laughs> must make contact me. Yeah, <laughs> that's the line of that man for like twenty five years. <laughs> um, but like, it's so weird. The the. I, the thing is, I think he's ser- he's supposed to serve a, a somewhat important role in like the theme or the attempted theme of the Phantom <laughs> Menace. Uh, when he's walking with um, Newt Gunray, he says, "This is a democracy. The people will decide." Uh, right. I, I don't. I don't remember exactly what they're talking about, but. I think that that's what this movie is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about freedom uh, and how like the power comes from the people uh, and, and not like the gov- the, the governed and not the governors. Uh, and there's something to be said about like Anakin as like a, a person who's enslaved and he, he like has this hidden power that's being basically like, um, kind of like restricted whatever sure um, but just all just, this movie is so chaotic that none of that really shines through <laughs> no it doesn't uh Qui-Gon Jinn like I just have so much to say about him as a character uh honestly both good and bad but there this movie has so many elements to it and there are so many people involved uh and you have to often ask yourself, like, who is this movie about? Who's the main right. character in this movie? Is it Qui-Gon Jinn? Because it actually seems like he is the person who does the most in this movie. Is totally. this movie about is this movie about Anakin? Because like this is kind of like he is the Phantom Menace. Uh or is he not the Phantom Menace? The Phantom Menace is Darth Sidious. The Phantom Menace is Emperor Palpatine. Said right. Senator Palpatine. But but uh, Phantom, but Anakin's also a menace, um, but just not right now. Yeah, this movie's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I've had kind of an interesting sort of like journey emotionally with like oh. what like what is a Jedi like what what should we consider a Jedi like what does a Jedi look like how does a Jedi behave uh, and in the original trilogy you really only have one jedi and that is obi-wan kenobi uh the alec guinness version not the ewan mcgregor version and uh obi-wan kenobi is very uh like poised and mm-hmm. he's, he's always thinking like one step ahead of everyone else um 
you can tell that he has more information that he's letting on. Uh, he's a great counselor, very smart, uh, very crafty, fearless. And so I think looking at a lot of the Jedi's in the prequels, none of them are really any of those things. And so it's like, which one do you go with? Yeah. Uh, and, and so you had the original trilogy, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and now you have Qui-Gon Jinn, who is like quite unpredictable. They're about to like get on the little like twirly pod race observation tower and Padme's just like stops him. He's, she's like, bro, Mm-hmm. What, what what are we doing? What do we do? Like the queen, she's not gonna like this. Uh, and he's basically like, oh, I don't care. And and like in that moment, I'm like, dude, she's so right though. Like, <laughs> yeah. you came here to like get a singular like part for your ship, and and you've you managed to accomplish that goal in the absolute most complicated way you could have right. possibly drawn up. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, he obviously didn't like, he didn't sit in the ship. I was like, all right, so here's what I'm thinking. We're going to go in and we're going to do this. Like he was just making it up as he went along. And I hate that uh, for a character. <laughs> it's too, too unpredictable, too chaotic. Uh, so I got Qui-Gon Jinn for sure. I, I don't think I have as big of an issue with Qui-Gon Jinn as you do. Um, but we just don't get a ton out of CO Bibble to like qualify him as a bigger blocker in the plot or just in decision making uh, as we get out of Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, the one part that had me completely scratching my head was that he's he's this Jedi who is shooting from the hip all the time and he's making things work and he's making things happen and he he's stealing he steals a whole ass queen. And yet we can't free Anakin's mom out of slavery because he didn't bet for her. Like, bro, you you're you're human trafficking as we speak. Like, just just snag her. Like, she she well, wants well, to be free with a, her. Uh, he puts up zero resistance. Zero resistance. Like, Watto's like, uh, just just the boy, or only one of them. He's like, okay, he just doesn't care at all. <laughs> Uh, they they did manage to explain that away when they said that all of the slaves get a, a chip put inside of them and they oh, don't right. know where it is. And if you leave, they blow you up. Oh, you're right. You're uh, right. You're right. Convenient. Right. Very convenient. Super but convenient. my my favorite my favorite moment of Qui Gon like not Qui Gon just believing what he's told is when Watto's like, hey, yeah. I'm the only salesman in this on this planet who has that part, so don't go anywhere else. And you're just like, well, I guess. I guess he's not lying, right? Yeah, I guess this is this is the spot. And his recklessness and make it up as you go reminds me a lot of Star-Lord, and I hate Star-Lord too. So Qui-Gon Jinn is going to move on right here. Uh, Andrew, any issues with this matchup? No, I mean, my notes for C.O. Bibble were, he, I mean, not to disparage the actor playing him but i thought he was really bad there's like a scene in the beginning when he's saying they lost all communications and he's like smirking i'm like what what is going on Uh, i mean blame the director for that but he doesn't do any like he doesn't learn anything he doesn't like you know how characters are supposed to have like arcs he has no he's like the main character and he doesn't learn anything he doesn't grow at all 
he's like not reckless really i mean he's kind of reckless but the movie isn't really telling you he's reckless it's more right. just like you watching it and being like oh that's pretty dumb but it's not the it's not the movie telling you that like like chris said he just he's just a character that you know they wrote the script he does what the script tells him like oh qui-gon's gonna do this there's no rhyme or reason for why he does anything so i, I, I agree with qui-gon and the movie outside of queen amadala doesn't tell us that he's reckless because all of the characters just continue to go with it. <laughs> like everyone just operates as like, yep, this is fine. Let's do it. And we as the audience are like, why is he upping the ante on this, on this gamble right now? This is so unnecessary. And there's never but, and any the consequences thing, for right, any, right. right. And, and and they they could have just had like one conversation between like Padme and Obi-Wan and they could have had Padme be like, this guy is clearly yes. a nutcase, right? Like, why does he do these things that are like very risky? And, and, and like, why are you, why are, is he's like your master? Like, why are you training with him? And he, and he could have been like, Obi-Wan's just, he's just always right. And you know, like <laughs> I, I just, I have learned so much about trust by being um, Obi-Wan's apprentice and like, boom, there you go. Explained it yeah. away in like 30 seconds. All right. Let's talk about this next matchups. The number five, the Nemodians. Versus the number 12, Shmi Skywalker, give or take. I don't know any of those pronunciations. Um, Shmi Skywalker is Annie's mom. And Annie's mom has just about given up. She She's not putting up much of a fight for just about anything. She is day to day. She's in this slavery situation. She's just trying to survive. Uh, Qui-Gon comes and is like, yo, we're going to, we need to let, Anakin race this pod so I can get the part so I can get off this planet. Mom puts up somewhat of a fight, but then at the end of the day, Annie tells her that he has to do it. She's like, yeah, I guess he has, he's got to do it. Like, you know, the stakes of these pod races, right? You're just willing to let your kid get out there and, and maybe die. Like I, it's a dangerous world you're living in. And I don't know that this is the right move also. And this is an, I don't, I don't know if it's her, if it's the director, um, during the pod racing, not a not too convincing of a performance out of Shmi as far as her concern levels go. There are some dodgy situations that Anakin gets himself in, whether his boosters aren't working or he's having to flip upside down or he goes off the egg, uh, the escape ramp or the um service ramp up into the sky. She's watching on her little iPad there, and she's giving no reaction to any of this. But we cut to her as if she's supposed to. She's kind of just like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there he goes. Oh, that's, look at that. That's happening. Oh, okay. And even when Anakin wins, she's just like, woo. <laughs> it's like, what, what, it's, serious question. What was George Lucas doing while they were filming this movie? Took so many notes. Uh, it's just like he, <laughs> I don't get it. He's just like he, not watching these scenes. Is he not, not watching like the dailies at the end of the day? And just being like, he's just like, oh, that's good. Whatever. And watching, watching so many of uh, so many documentaries on the making of the original trilogy and how much of a stickler for things he was, it's just so wild that this passed his test for the most part. But lucky for her, she's up against the Nemodians and their little racist representations of uh, East Asian people for absolutely no reason. These are these are aliens. <laughs> Why do they have? These very stereotypical, mimicky, like 
borderline or completely racist accents that sound, you know, Chinese, Eastern Asian at the very least, right? It's so bad and all of them do. And it's just because they're dressed in these, uh, these like royal robes that are invoking kind of like Chinese royalty. And so they're given this accent, but this accent shouldn't even like none of this makes sense. It's just racist. And that just makes them watching every single thing that they say, every move that they make, just the absolute worst experience on screen. It is watching through a lens in 2023. It is not a good look. I'm going the number five seed here, Chris. I'm not, I don't. I didn't even set them up. I don't even, like. They're just. They're just characters in this film, and they're the worst. <laughs> Shmi. Uh, Shmi uh, is sus. Uh, and, and the most sus thing about it, like, sure, letting your kid go on a deadly pod race is sus. Uh, but the, the most sus is the way that she tells Obi-Wan that Anakin had no father. Um, <laughs> get this woman on Maury now. <laughs> we got to find the uh, Qui-Gon goes, so, t- so who is the father? And she, she basically like looks at the yeah, ground, no like. Looks back, she's like, there was no father. And he's like, sure. Sure, it's me. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, I just um, um, carried him myself and like, you know, <clears throat> gave birth to him myself and then that was it. You know, like, no dad, no dad. Okay, right. okay. She's lying. She's lying, bro. She's, <laughs> if, if Emperor Palpatine can be raised grandpa, like Emperor Palpatine I, like ha- there has to have been some type of carnal act between uh, Palpatine and Shmi Skywalker. Like it, right. it had there to had have to happened. Have been. Had to have been. <laughs> um, some I, something that's kind of weird to me is that like the parent of a villain is always such an important character because the parent often like explains why a villain is the way that they are. It's like, oh, you think that character is bad. Wait till you see their father. I think of Tywin Lannister as a great example of that in Game of Thrones, where it's like, he's just, you know, you meet all of his children and they're so evil. Oh, I met the dad and that's why they're so evil. (laughs) Uh, Obviously we have Darth Vader and we go back to meet his mom and like, yeah, she's a little bit sus at times, but she seems to be a completely loving, like, gentle woman uh and like obviously anakin's wound kind of comes from like the death of his mother and it's kind of like a mommy issues thing more than like uh uh you know my mom abused me so i'm gonna abuse the world type attitude uh so you know it, it somewhat tracks but it is there is sort of a disconnect i think between like the the rage that is anakin skywalker even before um uh, he, he, his mom dies. Yeah. So I don't know the, but yeah, the, the Nemoidians, I think I'm going to agree with you on this one. Um, I, I, I I'll do another game of Thrones reference for you. The <laughs> strategy, this strategy of Daenerys in game of Thrones uh, that, that she inherited from her brother was like, th- there are two people uh, and their objective is to get the iron throne. Uh, and there's just two of them. So what do they do? They form an alliance with the the Dothraki uh, in in Essos, and like they basically have to like work their way up the system 
uh, through like levels of allies. And like that was the easiest ally that they could acquire in that moment. And then they're going to leverage the relationship with that ally into the next ally and so on and so on until they finally get all the way up. They climb all the way. That is what Chancellor Sander Darth Palpatine is doing. Uh, these Nemoidians are completely incompetent. They are stupid. Uh, yeah. They are bad strategizers, terrible at military. Uh, but these are the only guys, apparently, who uh, will give Palpatine the time of day. Uh, so right. this is basically like his in for now until he can kind of work his way up, which obviously eventually he does. So on the one hand, I'm like, why would Chancellor Palpatine ever side with these morons? But on the other hand, it's like, well, maybe that's all he could get in this moment. Uh, he is a man, Palpatine's a man of opportunity. And he said, this is, this is the uh, galactic crisis that is happening right now. I see mm-hmm. an opportunity to strike. And these apparently are the guys that are going to get me there. <laughs> uh, I'm agreeing with you. We got the Nemoidians moving on. Andrew, do you agree uh, with sending Shmi Skywalker into the sunset? I do. Um, one thing about Shmi, Shmi, Shmi um, that we didn't really mention is like when you first see her like Anakin who's what like nine in this movie or ten I don't know he walks in with like droids a Gungan and like this older man and she says literally nothing yeah happens all the time and Qui-Gon was like Qui-Gon was like he said that we could stay here and she was like "Eh, all right she says she says nothing like who are these people what are you doing Anakin it's so bizarre um but yeah the the thing I had about the Neomodians besides like yeah they're super racist and like there's literally a female one that has like slanted eyes and I'm just like are you kidding me Uh, like, (laughs) like geez Jesus um they're in so much of the movie. Yeah. There's so many scenes and they're so boring. They're stupid. Like someone, uh, I think like it's a throwaway line. Like when they're first mentioned, they're mentioned as like the devious trade federation. But I mean, I, I guess they're <laughs> sort of devious, but like they're, they're mainly just like cowards. Yeah. They're, they're not smart. They, they serve no purpose other than to be the bad guys. So I'm, I agree with you guys. All right. We're hopping over to the other side of the bracket where we have the number two seed Anakin Skywalker versus the number 15 seed Darth Maul. Let's talk about Darth Maul for a second. I mean, I don't have a lot on Darth Maul because for being such like a, an iconic element of episode one, he really doesn't do a lot. No. Uh, he shows up kind of like emerges from the shadows of the hologram transmission. <laughs> um, and he's basically like the, the Sith apprentice uh, and the Nemoidians are like, Oh shit. There's another one. We got to, there it comes. Um, there's so many villains in this movie and Darth Maul. I don't know. Like I'm, I, I think on the one hand he feels unnecessary. Like, could they have just given uh, the Nemoidians like, combat abilities or like could them lightsabers yeah could palpatine (laughs) have like you know i don't know whatever fought them himself i don't know but 
Um, he's, he's, he is actually somewhat competent as like a, a person in, in this movie. Like he tracks down the, the escapees to Tatooine. He finds them. He, he breaks out those little probe droids and he finds them once he is there. And honestly, he almost gets away with, uh, mowing down Qui-Gon Jinn in the desert, which, um, yeah. and, and honestly, like he did a two on one Jedi battle. Uh, and like, yeah, he had, he had double sabers, but I think that is honestly a more cumbersome weapon than like a single saber. <laughs> yeah. And, Seriously. and the, 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 the length of time in which he was able to fend off two Jedis, uh, was impressive. Uh, and, and the fact that he lost a one V one at the end was kind of actually surprising to me, uh, for being a man that was so, so good at combat. Uh, and defeated Qui-Gon Jinn with a little, with a little body blow, <laughs> a little uppercut with his, with his lightsaber. Um, mm-hmm. But I, like, I would say, I would say the, the one bad thing uh, is that we just didn't really get enough of him. Uh, and I guess one other bad thing is uh, the actor Ray Park himself. Uh, uh, Darth Maul says that he will uh, reveal himself to the Jedi. And guess what? Ray Park did reveal himself uh, in real life on social media. Recently oh, too. Man. So uh, uh, yeah, he has been canceled and, uh, and, and Ray Park RIP brother. Um, oh man. Anakin Skywalker, like he, man, such a, such a weird kind of like way to introduce, um, you know, Darth Vader, Darth Vader as a child, like, could they have introduced this character at the age of like 14 or like 16? They had to go with like nine years old, like... (laughs) And he, 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 he has a lot of those like childlike qualities about him. And it's, it is somewhat refreshing because like so many kids in TV shows and movies these days are like aspirational kids. Uh, I think about like Arya Stark and Lyanna Mormont in uh, Game of Thrones or like Chloe from Big Little Lies or Eleven from Stranger Things. What about Leia? in the new Obi-Wan series. Young Leia. It's like, yeah, it's like these kid <laughs> characters are like, are like super intelligent and they have like incredible abilities. Uh, and like everyone like loves the kid character. And it, you know, like the first sassy. one, might, yeah, like they know more than adults and yeah. it's like supposed to be like, um, and what's what's the subvert they subverts expectations by like making the kid like you know have some street smarts right and 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 it's gotten annoying but you know back in the day uh we've got anakin skywalker who is none of those things uh he is very (laughs) unaspirational um he is prone to you know getting offended by things uh, getting mad easily, frustrated, making rash decisions, uh, being emotional. When he says, uh, when Aunt, uh, Padme's like, you're a slave? And he's like, I'm a person and my name is Anakin. <laughs> uh, on the one hand, on the one hand, so annoying. On the other hand, hey, you know what? Give it to her, baby. Give it to sure. her. Let her let her know um, what's up. You you more than just a, a slave to your planet. You are a person, and you do have a name. So shout out shout out Anakin for that. 
go off, King. <laughs> the thing I like about Anakin is is the authenticity of like his childlike attitudes. Um, he has this confidence when he's talking to Padme on their first meet where she's like, you're a pilot. And he's like, yep, I'm a pilot. I'm going to fly out of here. I'm going to save this whole planet one day. Uh-huh. Uh, and she's just like, all right. And that sounds very like, uh, ambitious, but I think back to like myself when I was nine year old, nine years old, I was convinced I was going to play in the NHL. I was like, mm. I would just tell people, I'd be like, hey, I'm going yeah. to be a pro hockey player one day. Like, <laughs> like it's just going to happen. And I didn't know how to ice skate. Uh, I just could like skate in my back, in my garage, like a little bit and in my backyard. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, that's just what I'm going to do. I already know it. Uh, and Anakin has that energy, which, uh, which I really like. Uh, he also tries to shoot his shot with uh, the babysitter, which is, uh, you know, who, who among us has not been. <laughs> I, um, this is crazy, but I think I'm actually going to go with Darth Maul in this matchup. What? Um, only because I think that what they were going for with Anakin, they accomplished. Uh, I think they were going for, uh, an annoying, uh, incessant, relentless child. And, and, uh, Jake Lloyd was all of those things. Uh, Darth Maul really felt like a waste of a character, a waste of screen time. Yeah. He had a dope lightsaber battle at the end of the movie, but, uh, really leaves a lot to be desired. I think on the character front. Yeah. I completely disagree with you. I think that Darth Maul is a just fine character that no in no way detracts from the rest of the film i don't think that he's deserved of any descriptor that insinuates he's the worst i think that he's arguably the part that i like the most i like that we have a a bad guy that looks like a bad guy that comes and fights the good guys and loses to one of the good guys like i like that that is great uh the the lightsaber battles is what we wanted to see i like it i think that 2v1 stuff is ridiculous Obi-Wan's head fake. If we don't have Darth Maul, we don't have an Obi-Wan head fake. Come on. And that that's what makes episode one. I It's just he's I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, Anakin, on the other end, I don't. And I think I think I also disagree that he plays this kind of like authentically heady kid because I don't think there's a bit of authenticity in this performance's bones. There's lines in which he it's almost like the script said, uh, you know, he he yelps in joy and the actor was like, I don't know what this means. And George is like, I don't I don't know, like say yippee or something. And so when <laughs> he gets the green light to go with Qui-Gon, he literally goes yippee and runs off to his room. And I was ready. I was ready to turn the movie off. I can't I did not want a, another little kid exclamation like that. And we got it out of yippee. And then the whole like bumbling little kid thing of him in the uh, in the in that ship in that starship thing, and he goes on autopilot, and he's going, and he's he's murking all of the droids on the loading dock, and he flies off. It's on autopilot. Like, get I, I don't I hate it. He's he's annoying to me. Of course, the kid is the worst. I'm not a big kid fan, especially when it comes to these films. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Anakin, which means that Andrew's breaking a tie. So I actually like both of these characters. <laughs> um, so Anakin, 
yeah, he's like the most annoying kid on the planet, but kids are super annoying. That's yeah. the thing about kids. They the worst. ask a million questions. They're, you know, they, they're randomly just like mad or, you know, happy. So like Chris said, I think the purpose that he's supposed to serve is like as the annoying kid, I think he does a good job of and poor Jake Lloyd got like his life ruined by all the crazy <laughs> star Wars fans. It's like, what's he supposed to do? He's reading uh, George Lucas's crappy script. And like, what is he going to like be like, uh, George, I got some notes for this. I don't know why <laughs> I'm doing this. It's like, no, come on. Um, but but also I understand why people hate him because it's supposed to be Darth Vader. And it's like, how, what does he do in this movie that he's too young, honestly. He's like nine years old. You're not, how you act as a nine-year-old is not how you're going to be when you're older at all. Right. You have to have him like, as, as I think Chris said, like as a teenager, you're going to have him as Darth Vader. Otherwise he's just, He's literally just a little kid. He could be any little kid. He doesn't have to be Anakin Skywalker. Um, and then Darth Maul, I really like, like Kyle said, um, he's honestly the best part of this movie. I would love Duel of the Fates, uh, even today. Um, so that that's those scenes with him fighting Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are great, even though they're like overly choreographed. So I do have to go with Anakin as the worst character just because this kid is just not what Darth Vader is supposed to be. But I mean, if you just look at this as a solo movie, I don't think he's a bad character, but uh, in the entire Star Wars framework, he's pretty bad. So I'll go with Anakin. All right, let's move on to this next matchups. Number seven, Boss Nass versus number 10, Fode and Bede. Uh, Foden Bede was a fun one because the first the the minute that they said anything, I was like, "That's Greg Poops, that's Greg Poops right there." <laughs> yes. I, yep, that's Greg I saw Poops. that on IMDb. I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> the Poops. minute I heard his voice, I was like, "Is who's lying on in the other room?" Uh, nope, that is Greg Poops as the announcers of the pod racing. So that that character is this two headed character, um, Foden Bede, who are the PA announcers for the pod racing. Not giving play-by-play, but giving some track updates to us in a very, very Greg Proops kind of higher-pitched tone. Um, I don't know that I, I... I didn't take any like quotes down from the race itself. And maybe it's because I was so like locked in on the pod race. But they didn't seem to like impede my enjoyment of the pod race. Uh, they were kind of just in the background being the, the PA announcers that they are. But there's one moment at the very beginning where they're about to start the race and then they do this like random like cheer thing where they're they're almost like gurgling together. Uh, and it's it's another one of those things that just feels so unnecessary. Like we get that they are not human. They have two heads. Like we you don't need to add this other like weird noise or weird action to maybe get a giggle out of the kids for it. Like and that's also the issue with Boss Nass is like he has this this I I don't want to necessarily call it like a tick. It's like a reaction to things in which he just like shakes his face and his lips go all crazy and there's spit flying everywhere. And it's so unnecessary. It is so unnecessary. And 
sometimes you just wish that he would say his lines and then let's move the scene on because most of the time that he's talking, it's in relation to Jar Jar Binks, who we also don't want to see on the screen. So like, let's go ahead and move on. And I didn't give any background again. I just hop into this shit. But Boss Nass is like, what, the, the fucking king of, of the Jar Jar Binkses? And I don't even know what their race is called. Gungans. Gungans. All right. He's like the leader of them. But he's not one, but he's like a leader. Right, he looks more like a fish than anything else. I'm sure that there's some canon and some lore that I don't know, um, but he he's he's the the head honcho of them, and he he's uh, he's just so unnecessary. That character just feels so so unnecessary. We go underwater for him for no reason. Uh, we come out of water and visit him again for what feels like no reason other than to like get the rest of the of the crew to come fight with them. So like he him. And the way he that he speaks in relation to Jar Jar, uh, the the little reactions that he has where he's shaking his face for absolutely no reason is much more distracting in my enjoyment of this film, if I have any, and just feels so unnecessary and just a head scratcher every time he shows up, more so than Foden Bede, who feel like they kind of fade into the background of this very intense kind of NASCAR race that we've got going on here. Uh, so I'm going to go with Boss Nass as the worst. Fode and Bede, um, th- they don't give play-by-play, but they also kind of do give play-by-play. And like that's not normally something that a PA announcer does, like <laughs> right. live in state. Like Everyone's watching it happen. Like You don't need to play-by-play it. The play-by-play goes on the TV or it goes on the radio. Uh, but there's one particular piece of play-by-play. It's it's just savage. Uh, Foden bead roast Anakin Skywalker at the when his pod doesn't start. He's like, oh, looks like little Annie Skywalker stalled out again. And everyone's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, dude, he needs some milk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> needs some blue milk. Yeah, there you go. The. Yeah, I don't know. I think in my like memory of this character, they were extremely annoying. Uh, hmm. And I don't know if it's just the way that they look or the, the, the Greg Proops effect or it's just how much they kept cutting back to these two characters like during this pod racing scene. Um, you know, I was having like Joe Buck memories of these two. That's just like, <laughs> you know, who, who's the person I can't stand in in the booth? Uh but uh, no disrespect to Joe Buck. I've never met him in person. Uh, and I know there are a lot of people that love Joe Buck. But um, sure. Uh, Boss Nass is really only bad, I think, because he's he's like an obstruction to the plot of the movie. Uh, he's he's Switzerland. Uh, he's he's trying to stay <laughs> neutral on this whole situation. He's he's underwater Switzerland and. Uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan roll up and they're like, we gotta work out. We gotta go to war here. And he's like, you're not getting my help. We're down here underwater. We're chilling, bro. And they do a little Jedi mind trick on him and that changes real fast. But (laughs) when Boss Nass appears at the beginning, this is the moment that I realized this movie moves so fast. Yeah, dude. You may not know it, but Boss Nass appears at the 15-minute mark in episode one. Uh, we go from being on the spaceship uh, to the Trade Federation ship to uh, Darth Sidious uh, transmission 
to the Jedi's ship getting blowed up to there being a Jedi battle between the droids. Uh, the Jedi's escape the ship, the Jedi's land on the planet, the Jedi's escape the troops and the ships on the, they meet Jar Jar. Jar Jar makes a, a funny poopy joke or something <laughs> uh, and they swim down and like now it's Jar Jar and we're just like, what is what happening? Just, I'm still trying to figure out when and where this movie is taking place and who <laughs> the two main characters are uh, that don't even end up being the main characters. Uh, like what, wh- where am I and who is anyone? And this is all just happening so fast. Yeah. Uh, it's absolute breakneck speed. And, and I mean, Andrew kind of said that this is, this is uh, a movie he enjoys watching. And, and I think the reason I've kind of uh, deduced is that it's just so fast that it keeps your attention. And I, I kind of realized that when, when I saw Boss Nass on the screen. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually going to go with Fode and Beat, I think, wow. on this one. I just, I don't know. I think they're so unnecessary and obnoxious. Uh, so, uh, Andrew, this one's going to you. So, Boss Nass. Um, I was watching this the other day and I texted Chris. Boss Nass is a motorboat and son of a bitch because of the blubbering <laughs> he does twice. And he also like does it after uh, Padme when they're in the ju- the forest. Padme yep. says we're going to be friends or something. Or no, sorry. Boss Nass says to Padme, we sub being friends. And then he does the like blubbering thing. Tip for all the listeners. Do not do that to women. When you're saying. <laughs> We want to be friends. Don't do the like the motorboat. Not a good idea. Not a um, good move. But also, I kind of like Boss Nass because at least he like he does change over the movie. Where <laughs> he's like the only character he like doesn't want to <laughs> intervene, and then finally they like convince him to intervene and fight the battle. So he's. I mean, how many other characters actually like? grow as a as a character like i don't think any other characters in the movie do that so um i'm actually gonna go with foden feed as the the (laughs) the worst characters just because i've always i hate this is just like a common trope whenever there's like a sporting event uh in a tv show or movie or anything like a race you you have to have the pa announcer (laughs) and it's like they're always just like cutting to them at random times and it's just never realistic so i sure. mean obviously this is pod racing but i felt like the, they weren't realistic PA announcers, <laughs> so i'm just gonna say they're the worst characters sure. all right next matchup number three queen amidala versus 14 chancellor valorum here it is it's the battle of the characters who basically do nothing in this yep. movie. Yep. Chancellor Valorum, Kyle, you shouted it out in the intros. Terrence Stamp. Yeah. Uh, Ter- Terrence Stamp returns to the podcast. Uh, Disney fans will recognize him as Ramsley the butler from the Haunted Mansion movie. Uh, and unfortunately, Terrence Stamp just never gets to show off his acting chops uh, in this movie. <laughs> we, I, I got to give give uh, Terry his, his credit. He got the, the Star Wars bag. I'm sure he was 
was paid handsomely, and all he really had to do was show up to set that day and, and say a couple of lines. Yep. Uh, good, for, good for you, Terry. I'm, I'm proud of you. But this this character, Chancellor Valorum, is like so important to the plot of this movie. It's like the whole thing really hinges on him. Uh, allegedly, Chancellor Valorum is the person who sent Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan to go to the trade federation ship in the first place to negotiate with them. They're, they're acting on orders of the chancellor. So once we get down to Coruscant, we learn that like chancellor Valorum's in charge of the Senate, but he's being controlled by bureaucrats. And there's also a, a, a rumor he's being marred in controversy. He's corrupt. Uh, like and that is that is mentioned in like three seconds uh, by Senator Palpatine, and it's like for a character that is like allegedly so important to the plot, there, there, it seems to be a very unimportant element of the the character. Um, right. We don't we don't really get to see that uh, more than just like uh, him in the background in the Senate scene get like whispered into an into an ear by like another person. Queen Amidala. Who who is she? Is she Padme? Is she Kira Knightley? Like she? Who knows? At t- yeah, at times is, is both of them. Yeah. Also, who cares? <laughs> she is is um ad she advocates on the behalf of her people uh, of Naboo. She's she's very passionate uh, about the people, and she wants to keep the people um uh, alive, and so she goes to the Senate to um, talk to the senators about um, the people and no, but no one believes her. Uh, maybe it's because she's so stoic and boring uh, that they <laughs> right. don't believe her. So they want, they want to have a special task force go back to Naboo to verify the claim that Naboo was indeed in and like now I'm not even talking about Queen Amidala anymore because there's really absolutely nothing to talk about no. uh, with her. She just she just exists to advance the plot along. Uh, I, I would say that she's like kind of a hard ass because she acts sure. like one in the way that she talks, but she's like very easily manipulated by Senator Palpatine when, when they get to Coruscant and he's like, I'm pretty sure we got to go with a vote of no confidence on this one. And she's like, what are you talking about? Chancellor Valorum's our boy. He's been the one who's been advocating for Naboo this whole time. And mm-hmm. Palpatine's like, basically, uh, basically no, it's, it's vote of no confidence. And then she's like, all right, guess so. Uh, it's definitely Queen Amidala for me on this one. Chancellor Valorum, random character, but Amidala is the one that just sucks up so much screen time. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It feels like we're being like, teased along the entire way that she's going to show up later on in the film and just like completely blow our minds and she never does but otherwise she's just this kind of like coolly dressed and decorated character that speaks monotoned and is mysterious in that way but doesn't really pay off in any sort of you know grand fashion and i think that's what makes her the worst andrew does were you gonna go with queen amidala as well yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I don't understand why they chose to do that, like, big twist, being that Padme is Queen Amidala, because it makes no sense. And again, it's super confusing, because even at the end, when Padme's in the throne room, 
Yeah. One of the Neomodians like says when Kira Knightley comes in and he goes like, this is a decoy. He says that to Padme and they play it off. Like, Oh, he's right. Like this is, this is the decoy. So you still like, I remember watching that when I was a kid and I was still so confused where I was like, wait, so who is the real queen Amidala? The movie like does not make that clear at all. All right, let's round out this round of 16 here with the number six, Watto versus number 11, Sabuba. I, I think that Sabuba is a bad character because he's supposed to be a bad character, right? He's supposed to be the tough guy on the streets. He's supposed to be the the reigning champ of these pod races. He's not necessarily known for winning fairly so he's going to cheat and yes that makes him the worst but he's like supposed to be the worst so that Anakin's win is that much better so like his whole character is is to be the worst uh which which does make him the worst um but I also like don't care that he's the worst because he's supposed to be so there's there's this weird thing where it's like is he the worst because that's who his character is supposed to be? Or is he the worst because he's a character that shouldn't exist or shouldn't have happened or isn't performed well or, you know, yada, yada. Um, and he's up against Wada who feels this kind of like the same way. Also, arguably like there, there's something that feels something that feels racist without putting the finger directly on it. Right. And so it's like, just in this, just because of that, uh, I'm going to advance Wado. Um, but it, they feel like similarly the same character where they're always scheming. They're always trying to figure out how to impede uh, our characters, but also trying to win out in life, whether that's on the racetrack or just in the deals that Watto is making. Um, and so then what gives that extra boost is the unnecessary accents that we're giving to these people who are obviously supposed to be uh, representing people of color in these stereotypical ways and jobs and places. And it's just so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. Uh, so I'm going to go with the sixth seed here, Chris. I think that this movie could stand to combine these two characters specifically. Oh, totally. Yes. Into one. I think that could create a somewhat compelling power dynamic between uh, Anakin and Watto if Watto is both his like slave master and his biggest pod racing competitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would kind of give somewhat more of a reason uh, for them to kind of have that tension. Sebulba threatens to kill Anakin. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah. first, the first time they meet up, uh, straight up, he's like, next time we race, it's going to be your last, bro. <laughs> I'm about to tor- I'm about to body bag you yeah. on the pod. Like that is uh that is aggressive to say to a nine year old. Totally. Uh, not gonna lie. I, I mean, we can think it, but we can't say it. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty aggressive. Uh, and he legitimately does try to kill him. He throws the, he throws the little thing in his thing, or he yeah flips the switch on his side. Like he he follows through does on that everything, threat too. Everything that he can. Very bad. Watto. Uh, the one thing I do like about Watto is that he sort of has, has this human like quality to the way a, he reacts to Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, by Mm. being like, who, 
who is this man? Who, who is this man that came here to my planet and walked into my shop and he's trying to Jedi mind trick on my ass? Who, who do you think you are, bro? Uh, and, you know, he's like one of the only people in the whole movie to stand up to Qui-Gon Jinn's antics uh, in a way that feels uh, realistic, at least. Uh, and, and I really like that about him. I like that he has kind of a flaw. They bring it up in, in passing when Shmi's like, oh, gambling is his, is his downside. Uh, I like that when a villain, I, I like that. I like when a villain has like a clear Achilles heel, like there's a way to defeat this guy and here's what we have to do. Uh, I like that Watto seems to have some dimension to him. The racism element is one <laughs> that I did not pick up on until this most recent rewatch. Uh-huh. And I'm, I, I'm grappling with it because I'm like, is this me projecting like, like racism and stereotypes onto this character or is it yeah. actually, it's definitely not laid on as thick as the Nemoidian characters for sure. Totally. Um, I think, I think I'm going to go with Sebulba in this matchup. I think Wado <laughs> has a little bit more depth to him. Andrew is, is breaking the tie here. Yeah. So Wado is supposed to be like the, the middle Eastern, like, person who's like cares about money he like at one point he says mind tricks don't work only money so yeah. that's kind of like the stereotypical like racists you know middle he has like hair under his neck and it's just like it's pretty bad on a rewatch i mean <laughs> definitely not something i would have picked up on when i was younger but yeah i kind of agree with chris i like that Watto. at least he does have an achilles heel like Qui-Gon's able to say like oh we'll take it up with the huts and he's kind of like scared of the huts like oh that's like a real character moment he's actually you know scared he's like this he's supposed to be this big shot who's really big into gambling but you know oh he's scared of the huts that's a, that's a character trait that uh-huh. is good in a movie like this so I'm actually going to go with Sebulba as well I feel like I'm agreeing with Chris a lot but I feel like he would have been such a better character if instead of making him just like a cheater, if they had just made him like the best pod racer, like Mm. awesome. And then Anakin somehow overcomes him being so good because Anakin is so good and beats him. And then he's also like I had in my notes, he he's like kind of animated like Scar. I don't like he looks (laughs) like Scar, (laughs) like a Disney character villain. Yeah. like this is Star Wars. Come on, man. <laughs> so I, I gotta go with Sebulba. Uh, we are entering our lead eight next time. It's looking like this: the number one Jar Jar Binks versus the number eight the Battle Droids. Uh, down the brackets, number four Qui Gon Jinn versus the uh, I assume number five. Yep, the number five Nemodians. Uh, across the brackets, the number two Anakin Skywalker versus the number ten Foda and Bead. And rounding out that elite eight, it's the number three Queen Amidala versus the number eleven. Sabolva, Andrew, thank you so much for joining, lending your hand, going down nostalgia lane a little bit with us here. Uh, we appreciate you breaking some ties and look forward to you breaking some more next time. Yeah, I'm excited. See you guys next week. All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. We got something to say about these Star Wars characters. Uh, do you have any memories of Episode One, Phantom Menace? 
Do you have a bracket idea? Do you want to hop in and do some co-hosting? Email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and join us at the $5 level by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang. Till next time, folks, remember, space is cold.